So I remind you, Book of Helaman is a pattern of our day. If the coming of the Savior in the Book of Mormon is like the coming, if his first coming in the, among the Nephites is like his second coming, I think the pattern is trying to say that the days before his coming in the Book of Mormon are like the days before his coming, which would make Helaman one of the greatest patterns of our day. So the problems they face in Helaman, I believe, are Mormon waving his arms saying, this is what I've seen is happening in your day. These are the challenges, the same challenges that you're going to face. And so what were the challenges of Helaman? Now, I know you could find more, and I think we could spend years talking about Helaman. But I just wanted to address three major ones that are pretty obvious. To It's pretty hard to miss these three, right? The wars of the heart. I think it's significant that the Mormon points out that they get to Zarahemla. That is so significant to me. And then he talks about the prosperity that comes after the Lamanites and the Nephites stop fighting with each other. That prosperity leads to a whole other discussion. Prosperity and pain. Now, yeah, we could have taken another day there. And depending on how to, today goes, maybe we go back and throw a few more in. But I'd really like to get to this one. Because you can't read Helaman without hearing very clearly that the problem they had is secret combinations. First chapter, the chief judge is killed and there's a secret combination to hide it. And then it defines what a secret combination is. So let's go to Helaman chapter 2 and let's let the Book of Mormon define a secret combination. What is a secret combination? Maybe we just, let's just build up to it. Go, to, go back to one. Let me just point out a couple things. Notice in verse 11, the reason they're secret is because they swear by their everlasting maker that they would tell no man that Kishkumen had murdered Pahorn. So they do things in secret. Verse 12, they hide in secret. They did mingle themselves among the people. So there's a secret element to these secret combinations. Now, the rest of chapter 1 is about the, the introduction to that war of the heart concept. So let's go to Helaman 2. Verse 3, Kishkumen, who had murdered Pehoran, did lay wait to destroy Helaman also. He was upheld by his band, who had entered into a covenant that no one should know his wickedness. There's the element of secret. Now, verse 5, there's kind of a, I help you. It's a quid pro quo type thing. I'll keep it secret, but you elevate me to positions of importance. So they would place him in the judgment seat. He would grant unto those who belong to his band that he should place them in power and authority. So you begin to see the elements of a secret combination. Now, verse 8 has the Book of Mormon's definition of a secret combination. And I want to circle the words that are significant here. Right in the middle of verse 8. It is the object of all secret combinations. To murder and rob and gain power. It is the object of secret combinations. To murder, remember that. Rob and gain power. I think that's the best definition I found in the Book of Mormon. Now, that being said, 
Let me take you to the first secret combination. Let me take you back. Notice how many times in the Book of Mormon it says they formed a secret combination like in days of old. You notice that phrase, like in days of old. So let's go back to the first secret combination. Knowing this definition, I'm looking for an organization that hides in secret to kill and steal and have power. Let me <laughs> see some lights going on. Let's go to Cain and Satan. They formed the first secret combination. Now, I'm going to teach you today Satan's secret. Have you noticed in all the superhero movies, the bad guy reveals his plot? This is what I'm going to do. Do you remember in Home Alone where Kevin's holding the recorder? You know, don't tell him. Oh, what's he going to do? He's lost in New York. He happens to be holding. The, the bad guy always reveals his plan, right? Satan has a secret. And it has been revealed. I am going to teach you Satan's secret. So let's go to Cain and Lucifer in Moses chapter 5. Hold on to the Book of Mormon. We're going to go to the, new t the Pearl of Great Price. Turn to Moses 5 and Satan and Lucifer are going to enter a secret combination. They're going to make a pact. Now that pact, verse 30, is to do things in secret. I think that's appropriate. We saw that in Helaman. Secret combinations are called secret combinations because they do things in secret. There are people hiding what they're doing in our society. And that makes it a secret combination. But I'm going to change the definition of secret in verse 31. I would suggest to you that one of the reasons we call them secret combinations is because they know a secret. Moses 5.31, Cain said, Truly I am Mahan, master of this great secret. Now, you could put a colon there. What is Satan's secret? Tell me what the rest of that phrase is. That I may murder and steal because I have power. Satan's secret is how to kill and steal. How do I turn life into money? How do I murder and steal because I have power? Now, I want you to just go through history and see Satan's secret in history. I would suggest one of the greatest examples of Satan's secret is American slavery. How to murder and steal because I have power. American slavery, I would suggest, was a secret combination. War is often a secret combination. I'm going to murder and steal so that I have power. What, they, what they're doing in the Book of Mormon is murder and steal so that I have power. Do you see it? 
Satan's secret is how to turn life into money. Now, look at verse 33. Why did Cain kill Abel? Look at it. What was the reason he killed Abel? Not jealousy over the sacrifices that sometimes we assume. Why did Cain kill Abel? To steal his flock. To get rich. He killed Abel to get rich. There's Satan's secret. How do I murder and steal and gain so that I have power? Now, how many times can Cain kill Abel and steal his flocks? One time. May I suggest in our day, Satan has kicked this up a notch. Today, you deal with Satan's secret on steroids. I want you to begin to think. Now, I, pulled, I pointed out in the Book of Mormon, starts warning about a secret combination. As I have searched the scriptures, I have found one secret combination that the Lord calls out and says, watch out. So, Book of Mormon says a secret combination and the Lord calls out a secret combination. My brain goes like this. How can that not be connected? So, I want you to think of what is Satan teaching people? What is his secret today in killing for gain? Turn with me to section 89. That should be very sad. That should start ringing some bells, right? Amanda just had a zillion bells ring. We are turning to what section? What is this known as? So I am, we're having a discussion about secret combinations, about Satan having power, and Satan's secret is to murder and steal because he has power, and we're turning to the word of wisdom. You starting to make the connection? Are you starting to see perhaps what might be the secret combination we talked about in, in Ether? Let's read it. I know tradition in the church says that we have a word of wisdom because it's a law of health. But can I just strip away the tradition? And let's split the word of wisdom into two pieces. I wish we had two. I wish we had two titles. Verse three is layer one of the, of the word of wisdom. What is layer one? Principle with promise. That's the law of health. Okay. That's the law of health. Let's set that aside. That is not today's discussion. Section, or, section 89, verse 3, principle with power. Principle that's applicable to all of our lives. Now go to verse 4. Let me strip the word of wisdom of all of our traditions. And with a new set of eyes... I want you to read verse 4. Amanda, do you mind? 89.4. Behold, verily thus saith the Lord unto you, in consequence of evils and designs which do and will exist in the hearts of conspiring men in the last days, I have warned you and forewarned you by giving unto you this word of wisdom by revelation. Tell me what you just saw with new fresh set of eyes. The word of wisdom is what? It's a warning about... A conspiracy. 
I am warning you about what men are conspiring to do. Doesn't that sound like a secret combination? He is calling out a secret combination. I am warning you that in the latter days, men will conspire to do what? What's the connection? What is the connection to Satan's secret, murder for gain, and the word of wisdom? Do you see it? It's brilliant. Cain can kill Abel one time and steal his flock. Do you see a better way to implement Satan's secret? What is it, Amanda? Do you see it? Addiction will cause me to do what? Keep paying over and over again until it kills me. It is absolutely brilliant from Satan's perspective, if I can be a little facetious. He has figured out how to steal your money over and over again as he kills you. Now, is that worth warning people about? So let's talk about some examples. Let's ob an obvious one is the tobacco industry. The Lord says, hey, there's a conspiracy. Was there a conspiracy to addict people and steal their money knowing it would kill them? You better believe there was. Any idea what the average smoker will pay the tobacco industry? I just, this is just my own calculations. I looked at national statistics. When do people start smoking? When do people die of smoking? And what is the, how, many, how much do they smoke? And what is the average price of cigarettes? I was astounded. Now, this may have changed. I don't know how vaping changes this. But when I ran these numbers a few years ago, the average smoker will pay the tobacco industry $150,000 over their lifetime. $150,000 to do what? To kill me. Tell me that's not Satan's secret kicked up a notch. I have power over you. And you will pay me regularly until it kills you. That is scary. And when did the Lord warn us? 1833. Think about addiction and secret combinations for a moment. Now, I believe, I don't see Kishkumen killing Pehoran in our society. Maybe that's coming. But what I do see in our society is addiction killing a lot of people that I love. James? Would you also say that it's spiritually killing as well? So we could make a list of what I call, I, I, I use the word that Cain used. We could call these mayhem, 
conspirators. Okay? There's some word of wisdom ones, obvious, like alcohol, tobacco. But let's, let's suppose the Lord just simply threw a few down to get us thinking and is now saying, I need you to recognize that this warning goes beyond what's written in the law. Can you name some spiritual? Can you name some other physical addictions that are Satan having power, using an addiction to steal your money? Let's do some non-word of wisdom ones, just to get you thinking. Can I throw a few out there? Here's an obvious one. Gambling. What does it cost people who are addicted to gambling? They destroy their children. They destroy their family because of an addiction. You will pay. Now, is there a conspiracy going on? You ever been to Vegas? You want to know what they're conspiring? They pump oxygen into their casinos. They don't have windows and they take the clocks off the walls. Why? No concept of time. And food costs what's in a casino? What does the food cost? You get steak dinner for five bucks. It's a conspiracy to steal your money. And they're very good at it, aren't they? You notice what's happening with sports betting? Every NBA game you watch, if you're watching the finals, probably one out of 10 commercials is about what? Sports betting. It's cool. It's hip. It's a secret combination. They are conspiring to steal your money. Give me another one. We got to mention pornography, right? Is it an addiction? And it not just steals your money, but it steals your dignity. It steals your marriage. It steals your hopes. And it's an addiction. People will pay through the nose because of this addiction. I would say like entertainment. So we've got a whole entertainment industry. And again, I think like a, like a stoplight, there's red, yellow, and green. The red ones will affect your temple recommend. But there's a whole lot of yellow ones where the Lord says, are you wise enough to see what's going on? Are you wise enough to see that the video game industry in your life has control of you and you are paying them money to destroy your life? Are you aware of that? And you begin to see social media. How about weight loss? Ooh, this is a brilliant one. The weight loss industry. General rules, how do you lose weight? Unless your hormones, which it's very legitimate, but general rule, how do you lose weight? You decrease what comes in or and increase what goes out. If there's a net negative, you lose weight, right? General rule, decrease what goes in, increase what goes out. And then along come a company that says what? Take a pill, don't do that. Pay me your money and we'll cheat the system. And does it work? A little bit and then what always happens you gain the weight back and what do you do when you gain the weight back you pay more money boy that's a brilliant secret combination debt 
credit cards, you begin to see they are all around us. People trying to control us through addiction to pay them money until it consumes our life. James? Would you also say not just money, but paying time uh-huh. and paying spirituality? Yeah. Like we end up, you know, with some of the entertainment industry, like you see people in sacrament meeting on TikTok. And they're like, oh, you know, you're, you're paying away precious time with the Lord to that. Priority. So, you got it. I, I've watched marriages disappear because someone got addicted to someone virtually. It is a massive problem. Now, just I, uh, incidentally, you remember when Nephi, remember how Nephi sees the end of the world and the Lord says, you're going to see it, but you're not going to write it. Who did the Lord want to write it? John. So the book of Revelation is the Lord's intended record of the end. But Nephi saw it, right? So the Lord said, Nephi, you can't write it. But apparently Nephi was given permission to comment on it. So he throws in some wonderful gems. He quite often will say, I can't, I can't tell you what happens, but, but I've seen it. And he throws in some wonderful gems. Second, or first Nephi chapter 22 is, has some beautiful little gems in it. Go to first Nephi 22. Look at verse 13, for example. This is one of my favorites. Nephi was surprised by what he saw, how it ended. He thought, and I think so many of us assume, that it's going to end by good conquering evil. In the end, good beats evil. Isn't that every superhero movie we've ever watched? In the end, good beats evil. Not with the world. Verse 13, what did Nephi see? And it kind of shocked him. He doesn't tell. He's not allowed to write the account, but he does make a comment on it. How does the world end in verse 13, Amanda? Evil defeats evil. Evil defeats evil. And that's exactly how the Jaredites destroyed each other, right? Now, in that setting, look at verse 23. Nephi, who has seen the end. Actually, you know what? Let's jump. Go to 17. We've got to do 17 through 21. What's one thing that Nephi says over and over and over again? I've seen the end. I can't tell you how it ends, but one thing I can say is... The righteous need not fear. I've seen it, okay? Trust me. I've seen the end. The righteous need not fear. Don't be afraid. I love that. But go to 23. Nephi says, here's the problem. I've seen all these churches. The real problem in the day are false churches. Now, that's a subject for another day. When, when Jesus was allowed to answer the question, what will life be like? I shouldn't say that because it's himself. When Jesus finally answered the question, what will life be like during the second coming? He only did it once. He talked about his main concern was being deceived by false Christs, false churches, false plans of salvation. Verse 23 has five of the most dangerous false churches of our day. Name the first one. The church of getting gain. That was last week's discussion. The church of getting gain. The church of prosperity. What's the second church that Nephi saw? And don't end too soon. We always end too soon. What's the second church he saw in our day? 
Anyone want to yell it out? First Nephi twenty-two twenty-three. Say it, Amanda. Power over the flesh. That sound like something we've just been talking about? Churches that have power over the flesh. Would you say the tobacco industry is a church that has power over the flesh? I think Nephi is describing exactly what the book of Helaman is trying to teach is our problem. Satan's power over us. The secret combinations of our day, I would suggest, are the conspiracies held in secret chambers to control you and steal your money and end your life. I think addiction is the biggest problem in our day with secret combinations. By show of hands, how many of you love someone who has been destroyed by an addiction? Look at that, every hand. We all love someone who has been destroyed by an addiction. It's not always a substance, is it? A philosophy, an idea. All right, any thoughts? Problem. We'll do solution now. That's all the bad, but we came really low. Now we're going to go really high. So there's the problem, right? And the problem with pointing these out is as soon as I point them out, you're going to see them everywhere. You're going to see people using addiction. TikTok and sacrament meeting, I believe, is a secret combination. I am stealing from you because I have power over you. And you don't even realize it. And it's affecting your life. That's a secret combination. All right, thoughts on the problem. James? I was just looking at all those and it's all instant gratification. Yep. Because it's just like, it's right now, it's, but because like with pornography, it's the wrong time, wrong place, wrong focus, because that's a play on what is a true desire and loved and, you know, meant. I want a big score. I want a quick big score. Get rich quickly. Instead of growing and growing and developing. You got it. And there's the robbery. That's the theft. I rob you of something because I have power over you. There's the bad news. Any thoughts? Wouldn't you say that uh, technology being made easier to access is also contributing? Yep, all of the, anything that has power. Peter, in his epistle, said that a man, anything to which a man has power, anything that basically has power over him, he becomes a slave. All right, ready for a solution? Now, I, I will admit, I was a lot older than you when the solution just slapped me in the face. I love what the Lord did. It just, I smile. I can't even, I can't even talk about it without saying, I love this. Here are the 16 chapters of the book of Helaman. Now, I've begin, I, I'm a pattern hunter, and I start to notice patterns. 
And I've noticed the pattern of the Book of Mormon. If I had all of the chapters of the Book of Mormon, I've noticed about how long it takes to tell a story. Have you noticed that? I think if I were to push you and say, how long does it take a story? How long does it take you to tell a story in the Book of Mormon? At most, two chapters, right? The longest story we've seen is Nephi going back for the plates took two chapters. Everything else, Korahor was how many chapters? One chapter. Zoramites, the Zoramites, one chapter. The Zomar Por, one chapter. The war chapters are a long series of chapters, but the individual stories were told in single chapters. It doesn't take the Lord or Mormon long to tell a story. Until you get to Helaman, right in the middle of Helaman, it just, this is brilliant. Right in the middle of Helaman, those three chapters are one very elongated story. That finally caught my attention. The Lord never takes three chapters to tell a very simple story. Do you know the story? Nephi's praying in his garden. A crowd gathers. He kind of contends with them. He says, your chief judge is lying in his blood. They send some representatives. Sure enough, the chief judge is dead. So obviously, they assume Nephi had something to do with it. So they come after Nephi. Nephi says, you stupid fools, go to Siantum, his brother's house, Ask him if he killed his brother. He'll say no. Examine his clothing. You'll find blood on his clothing. He'll start to get really nervous. Ask him where the blood came from. He'll confess and say that he killed his brother. Ask him if I had anything to do with it. He'll say no. Nephi had nothing to do with it. Boom. Took me 30 seconds to summarize the story. And the Lord does what? Mormon does what with the story? He takes three chapters right in the middle of Helaman to say what? What's the point of the story? Tell me what's the whole point of the story. Prophets see through secrets. That's the whole point. Nephi saw through the conspiracy. You tried to do it in secret. I saw through the secret. The whole point of a very elongated story is that prophets see through secrets. And bam, when that hit me, I just couldn't believe how powerfully the Lord just taught me a lesson. Do you know why you and I shouldn't be worried about secret combinations? That's why. Prophets see through secrets. Every one of them. Have we been taught and counseled against the very things that are destroying us? Has anything ever said about social media and conference? Did a prophet ever ask us to take a social media fast once? Have they said anything about any of these industries? The solution is so simple. Follow a prophet. Follow the warnings of a prophet. May I suggest section 89 is a warning from a prophet who saw through a secret hundreds of years in the making. 
Prophets see through secrets. I can't imagine a better way to make that point than telling a very simple story in elongated fashion. And the point of the story is, hey, he saw everything. He saw the secret. And yet, go to the very next verse. Go to the very next verse, chapter 10, verse 1. After Nephi clearly could see everything that was going on in that secret. Helaman, chapter 10, verse 1. Tell me what happened. They left him alone. The source of the solution. And they walked away. Now, forgive me if I push this. I believe Helaman 10 is the Lord saying, do you understand who I have called in your day? Do you understand the kind of prophets, seers, and revelators I will send to you in your day? I think that's what Helaman 10 is. So verse 4, blessed art thou, Russell, Marion, Nelson, for the things which thou hast done. For I have beheld how thou hast with unwearyingness declared the word which I have given unto thee, unto this people. And thou hast not feared them. Is that true of Russell Nelson? Thou hast not feared them and hast not sought thine own life, but has sought my will and to keep my commandments. Therefore, verse five, I will, I'm middle of verse five. I will, no, I, we need to read it. Because thou hast done this with such unwearyingness, Behold, I will bless thee forever. I will make thee mighty in word and in deed, in faith and in works, even that all things shall be done unto thee according to thy word. What was Nephi given? God's omnipotent power. You say it, it will happen. You need a flood? Say it. You need a famine? Say it. Whatever you say will happen. Why? Look at the end of verse 5. Tell me about Nephi. For thou shalt not ask that which is contrary to my will. I don't think this chapter is in the Book of Mormon as a, oh, that's interesting about Nephi chapter. Do you understand? You see what I'm trying to say? I think the Lord is making a commentary on the kind of people he is sending in our day. I believe Russell Nelson has omnipotent power. I believe he could, with one word, bring a flood, a famine, I think he is what Nephi was. I'll stand behind him any day, any day, who sees behind, be, be, he sees through the secrets. James. I just think it's fascinating that it shows our dilemma. Like we see something big happen in the church and everybody comes to see it and we all kind of go, well, that's nice. But it's saying that's the person you're walking away from. That's the person you're walking away from. That's the person you're walking away from. Therefore, I leave you my testimony that secret combinations are very real in our day. 
people I love are being robbed of life and happiness and money and goodwill. They're being robbed of peace because they're addicted to something. They can't let go of something. Those are the secret combinations that are destroying them. And the solution to all of them is to grab on to the teachings of prophets. Let me do one more. Let's go back to Mosiah chapter 8. Do you remember where Ammon shows up to rescue Limhi? Not Ammon, chop off the arm Ammon, different Ammon. Ammon shows up to rescue Limhi, whose people are slaves to the Lamanites. This is, Limhi is King Noah's son. So he shows up. Meanwhile, King Limhi tried to find Zarahemla and instead found the ruins of the Jaredites and brought home the 24 gold plates. Can't read them because they're written in another language. So Limhi asks uh, Ammon, hey, is there anyone back home in Zarahemla who can translate these plates? I'd really like to know the story about these people that got destroyed. And Ammon says, verse 13, Mosiah 8, 13, Ammon said, I can surely tell thee, O king, of a man that can translate the records, for he has wherewith he can look and translate all records which are of ancient date. It's a gift of God. He had a Urim and Thummim. And the things are called interpreters, and no man can look upon them except he commanded. At the end of verse 13, what do you call a person who has a Urim and Thummim? A seer. So King, Lam- or King Limhi says in verse 15, boy, I'd rather have a seer than a prophet. A seer is greater than a prophet. What does Ammon say in verse 16? They're all the same. Prophet, seer, revelator. And what do we sustain those 15 as? Prophets, seers, and revelators. Now, verse 17, give me the list. What do seers see? And again, knowing that the Lord emphasizes by repetition, watch for the repetition. What do prophets and seers see? Number one, past. Number two, future. Now, number three, watch what he does. How many ways can he say it? How many ways can he possibly say, what do prophets see? Next, he says, secret things. Oh, just in case you missed it, he then says, hidden things. And just in case we haven't, we didn't get it, he then says, Things which are not known. In fact, things that cannot be known. That's what prophets see. Secret, hidden, things not known, things that can't be known. Now, why in the world should you not worry about the future? Because we are led by prophets, seers, and revelators. And no matter what comes, they will have us prepared. The only thing I would recommend you worry about is have you learned to follow a prophet? Because here's my, here's my observation. Go to section 106. 
I want to use the Lord's language here. One, uh, sorry, 101, verse 7, after verse 6. Section 101, in explaining what happened in Jackson County, why the Jackson County saints got kicked out of their land, he starts, he's explaining that. But then he says something fascinating in verse 7. 7 and 8. Tell me, when do prophets speak? Anyone want to read 7 and 101, 7 and 8. Who's there? Who's there? Anyone want to read? Amanda, you, you've got it? Yeah. Okay, read it, Hallie. They were slow to hearken unto the voice of the Lord their God. Therefore, the Lord their God was slow to hearken unto their prayers, to answer them in the day of their trouble. In the day of their peace, they esteemed lightly my counsel, but in the day of their trouble, the they stood Okay, so, do you see the dilemma? In what day do prophets speak? When do prophets speak? Day of peace. Is there any sign we should listen to them in the day of peace? Nope. When do we usually listen to a prophet? Now, do you see the problem? Do you see what I'm trying to point out? Prophets speak in a day of peace. If you don't obey in the day of peace and wait until the day of trouble, it's too late. How many days before the rain did Noah say, get on the boat? No rain in the sky. How many days before the rain did he say, get on the boat? Seven days. Cloud in the sky when he said, get on the boat? Is the boat docked at the marina in the middle of the water? Where's the boat? Middle of dry land. And he says, get on the boat. Seven days before there's any sign they need to. <clears throat> Elisha says, dip seven times in the river. He comes up. Naaman comes up. How much leprosy has fallen after one dip? None. Do you see? Day of peace, day of trouble problem. Let me show you a fascinating one in the Book of Mormon. Helaman chapter 13, since we're speaking of Helaman. Helaman chapter 13, Samuel the Lamanite stands up on the wall and gives a very interesting prophecy. Starting in verse 12. Helaman 13, 12. I say, Woe unto this great city Zarahemla. Remember that. He's speaking to the city Zarahemla. It is because of those that are righteous that it is saved. The righteous are saving Zarahemla. Now verse 13. Interesting prophecy. Blessed are they who will repent, I'll spare them. But, woe, but, but, but behold, if it were not for the righteous who were in this city, I would cause that fire should come down out of heaven and destroy it. Interesting prophecy, because does anyone know what happens to Zarahemla? Fire destroys it. So he says, it's the righteous that are sparing this city, and if you ever get rid of the righteous, I'm going to burn the city. But right now, it's because of the righteous that it's being saved. So now fast forward to 3 Nephi 8, verse 8. Tell me what happens to Zarahemla. 3 Nephi 8, 8. The city of Zarahemla did take fire. So what happened to the righteous? There were enough righteous in Zarahemla sparing the city. Otherwise, he would have burned it. And then he ends up burning it. So what happened to the righteous? 
Either they turned wicked or they left. Let's see if we can figure out which one, which one happened. Go to chapter 10. Speaking to those who survived, he gives us this interesting hint. Look at verse 12. Those who survived the destruction. It was the more righteous part of the people who were saved. It was they who received the prophets and stoned them not. Do you connect all those dots? If we connect all those dots, what does it sound like happened in Zarahemla at some point? At some point, a prophet came and said, get out of Zarahemla, leave, go to Bountiful. You got to get to Bountiful. Now, how much fire was there when the prophet said, get out of Zarahemla? None. It was a day of peace. The righteous who received them and stoned them not left the city. When the fire came, could they at that point then follow the instructions and leave the city? Too late. You can't follow a prophet in a day of trouble. I think the message is, are you one that has learned to follow a prophet in the day of peace? Because prophets see through the secrets. Now, are they human? Do they make mistakes? Yes, we could have that conversation as well. I love that the Lord told us to receive a prophet in all patience and faith. Sometimes it takes patience and faith. But I testify one of the great secrets of surviving the latter days is following a prophet in the days of peace. And I testify that the Lord is sending to earth modern-day Nephites. I think Helaman 10 is a commentary on those who lead this church today. I don't think we fully fathom the power that God has given the president of the church. Just how I read Helaman. But the solution to wars of the heart gospel of Jesus Christ. Solution to prosperity and pain, remembering the greatness of God. The solution to secret combinations, follow prophets who see through secrets. Of that I testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.